Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, glorious podcast family. How you doing out there? I hope that wherever you are in the world, you're doing tremendous. I am sending you a huge hug and all of my support through the airwaves. We have a fantastic show for you today. We have Anat Perry on, and we are talking about emotional resilience, how to heal traumas, master emotions, and engage life fully. This is a fantastic episode with tons of practical wisdom and advice and tools. So we talk about um, why most people don't feel safe and to feel. Uh, we talk about the three steps to feeling safe. We talk about how to get into intimately related with all parts of yourself, understanding your ego and inner child. She gives a great dinner table analogy. We talk about the gratitude practice. Um, the playdate exercise. We talk about the five stages of transformational healing and so much more. This is really a tremendous episode with so much valuable insights, tools, and practical advice. I know that you're going to love it. If you do enjoy the show and you want to support, please take a moment, take a screenshot, tag us on Instagram at Matt Belair. Let us know where you're listening, what you liked. If you have any questions, we want your feedback um, so that I can improve the show, get you the guests that you want, answer the questions you want, and uh, just do a better job in general. Um, Also, you can leave a review on iTunes. That helps so much if you just take a moment, go over to iTunes. I know you got to click a couple buttons, but if you take a moment to leave a review in iTunes, it helps tremendously. And I want to thank Table One, who took the time to leave a very thoughtful review. And it says, uh, the podcast you've been looking for, dot, dot, dot. If I was stuck in an island and could choose only one podcast to listen to for the rest of my life, it would be the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit podcast with Matt Belair. Even with access to only one quarter of the total episodes and would have all of the information one would have all the information they needed to create the personal reality of their dreams matt asks the right questions the ones that are critical at this epoch in time as we are all exponentially evolving as a collective now more than ever humanity needs to plug into information that expands one con- one's consciousness and assists in the realization that we are all the creators of our world and it's up to each of us to master ourselves mind body and spirit each episode provides practical information one can use to immediately start leveling up their life the guests are some of the best and biggest game changers in the world i can honestly say that because of the podcast my life is more magical this is that good good you've been waiting for or looking for so thank you so much table one for leaving that review and and making it long and thoughtful i really do appreciate that and the last thing you could do is you could go to patreon.com forward slash matt belair and toss a buck in the bucket something you don't even think about it helps tremendously and i want to thank christopher moore so much for doing that it really really helps allow me to continue to do this show i have no idea how i've been able to make it this far but uh my patrons have really helped with that so thank you so very much um announcing january 2020 i'm going to be doing a 21 day challenge it is going to start january 6th so make sure you go to mattbelair.com sign up for the email list i'm going to be putting the details there i got to do a lot of background stuff to get it going i'm going to run it through facebook uh, but i'm looking at the best most streamlined way to do it it's going to be an amazing challenge and also you're going to get 21 lessons each and every day you're going to get new lessons new insights there's going to be q a there's going to be a ton of value so if you're looking to start off 2020 
um, in the most effective, efficient way. Make sure that you get ready to sign up for this challenge. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a ton of fun. There's going to be a lot of community. And I hope that you guys join and sign up because I'm really excited about it and um, just would love to co-create with you. And I'm going to be sharing what I use for myself, what I use for my clients to basically set up my year in a way that I am very dialed in. I am very excited about where I'm going. I know what I want to do. And so if you're looking um, for insights into any of that kind of process, you're going to learn them over the 21 days. So please join us. It is going to be amazing. Um, what else? Oh, for those of you guys who are interested in one-on-one one, one -on -one coaching, just hit me up. You are basically a person who is looking to discover more of their life purpose, direction. You want to learn about mindset tools, peak performance, law of attraction, demystify all things spiritual, and really just connect with spirit, with your mission, with your gift and what you are here to bring to the world. If you are looking for support with that and you're wanting to do one-on-one -on -one work, hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com or mattbelair.com forward slash coaching, and I will happily work with you. Just make an inquiry on the website. And if you want some speaking or anything like that, same thing, just make an inquiry and happy to help you out. So that is it. Oh, the best thing that you can do to support the show is to do one kind act today. Even better, do three kind acts um, in the world. And even better than that, take three kind acts every single day for a week that's the kindness challenge do that let me know how it goes and you may experience a universal wink something really odd and amazing and synchronistic will happen to you to just let you know that you're on the right track as you figure things out so if you want to support the show that is the best way hands down so thank you so much for tuning in i really appreciate you in your time um, let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in wherever you are in the world to stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, contentment, happiness, enthusiasm, curiosity, inspiration, and ready to take on this amazing episode with Anat Perry. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a transformational coach who specializes in developing her client's emotional resiliency as the access to taking inspired action. With over 14 years in develop developmental work, she has helped hundreds of people create the life they desire. Her deep work allows you to discover what you truly want, create a clear path to success, master being with your emotions, and create a happier life. Welcome to the show, Anat. Perry. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me, Matt. Pleasure. Yes. Everyone. Yeah, so great to have you on the show. We've been working at it for a while. You're a very busy woman. You're <laughs> running all kinds of retreats that are supposed to be amazing. I had a, a good time looking at your website and all the things you do and you came highly recommended from Mark England and Mike Bloodso who've been on the show a few times. Oh, really great guys you. who know their stuff. So it's, it's great to have you on here. Yeah. I could be on here. Yeah, it's been a busy month. So just wrapped up a retreat yesterday and uh, happy to hop right into this today. So feeling good and ready. Awesome. So why don't we start with a little bit about your background? Like tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into what you're doing today. Um, yes, of course. So it seems that uh, this was God's plan for me. It's something that I always was interested in. I'd say when I was in high school, friends always came to me for support, advice, and uh, God knows what I said then. I could be a fly on the wall and and uh, <laughs> see what it was. Probably wasn't that good, but whatever it was, it was better than what they felt they could access themselves. So uh, led me to wanting uh, to major in psychology. And then I decided not to go that route because it meant eight years of traditional school, which just didn't feel in alignment to me. So I actually spent uh, my college years uh, in business and finance and uh, circled back to it in my mid-20s um, just through self-development work that I was introduced to. And that began my journey. Um, I just turned 40, so it's going on 15 years. And I'd say I spent the first nine to 10 years um, studying different modalities, working with different men uh, mentors, even plant medicine. So the full spectrum and getting myself to a place where I felt, um, A, that my life was transformed, that I was living in alignment. And 
as well as that I had the tools where the tools that could actually create lasting and effective transformation for people. So I didn't start my own business and working with people until about four and a half years ago. And it's been uh, an amazing, beautiful ride. Uh, a, a lot of just, God, if this is where you want me to be, then bring me those that need my medicine. Really just knowing without a doubt that this is where I'm supposed to be. So that's been a snippet of my journey. Yeah, that's a, well, that's very interesting. First of all, you look very young for 40. So what you're doing something, you're doing something very well. And when I had a look at your website, I really like, you had like the four proven techniques. I'm aware of neuro-linguistic programming. I think that if you are interested in personal development and self-help, you should, I recommend and invite strongly to read a basics of NLP book because it's very important. But you also have one in eye movement that I'm very curious about, emotional releasing which is obviously good and we need to go into those things. I think we're not really taught that uh, to mm -hmm. understand our emotions, connect with them. Some people mm -hmm. say, oh, you don't go into the emotions. You know, you kind of like cover it up and that, and then some people it's like get into, you know, the shadow work, right? But then all of a sudden they're stuck in the crap and they don't really know how to transform it. And so there's a lot yeah. of mystery over there. And then trauma release, I think is another good one. So you have a website and a retreat that's training camp for the soul, which I think is very fascinating. Why don't you speak about the inspiration for that and some of the techniques and experiences you bring people through when they go to that? Yeah, so the absolutely. So the inspiration uh, for the retreats was, again, a natural birth. Uh, when I started out, I started with a virtual program. I never saw or had the intention to lead retreats. And uh, there was just one client that wasn't willing to do the work on his own and could afford to have me one-on-one -on -one work with him in person. And so it was born out of that. I uh, worked with him for five, six days. And then another, you know, he introduced me to his, his wife at the time and then her mom and her dad. And so it just, it was a natural unfolding, like I, like I shared before. Um, and it used to be called Journey to Love because really it is a journey to love. It's a journey to self-love. It's a journey to knowing how to lead with your heart. Uh, and the name was actually uh, Training Camp for the Soul. Mike Bledsoe actually named it that once he worked with me two years ago. He just felt it was more fitting. And um, we've, been, uh, we've been working together at this and helping a lot of people, specifically uh, a lot of people in the, in the fitness space. So people that are already physically fit or driven to work on their physical fitness to get emotionally and mentally fit as well. So uh, as far as the techniques, um, emotional release work, emotional resiliency, I feel is the most um, untapped area in self-development um, to, to actually get through release. And uh, I feel that a, a lot of the work that I did, why it took me so long it, to, get to get to a place of healing and transformation is because I spent years doing work that was just on a cognitive level that trimmed the weeds but didn't get to the root of it. To me, the root of it exists in the body, in the energetic body. Our emotions are energy in motion. And uh, so it's not just about, like you said, going into the emotions and then getting sucked into it and stuck there um, and not knowing how to, how to get out. And I feel what happens for people that leads them to doing that is that they are going into their emotions, but they're still using their, they're making their emotions wrong. Like, okay, I feel this. How do I get rid of this? How do I stop feeling this? Like, yeah, I'm angry and this is bad or I'm sad and okay, I'm going to cry, but I need to, that's enough now. So it's still being controlled by the mind of right, wrong, good, bad. Um, that's enough. Or I, can't allow myself to go there. And really the energy just needs love, acceptance, and curiosity. So I want to think, I want people to imagine your emotions as a child, a child that you have, whether you are a parent 
or an aunt, an uncle, a child that you have. And when that child is feeling sad or upset or angry, the most effective thing is to sit with them, maybe even hold them and just listen and love them and give them permission. Uh, I, I see my, my sister does that with my nephew, who's almost three. And she's like, it works every time. He cries, cries, cries. And then he says, mommy, I'm happy now. And so the same thing we need to give to ourselves. So whatever it is you're sensing, you're feeling, in, instead of judging it or questioning it, analyzing it, why am I feeling this way? I feel that's the most common and popular uh, place that people go and get stuck is wanting to answer why am I feeling this way and the truth is you can make up a reason <laughs> it's still and then you're logicing your way out of it you're actually not fully feeling it same thing you ask a child why are you feeling this way why are you feeling this way why are you sad they're just going to get even more sad or it's going to get stuck for them and so what I do is I really teach people and give people permission to feel their feelings. Now to take it a step back, most people don't feel safe to feel, to be in their body. So creating a level of safety to be in your body and feel what's there. <clears throat> so, uh, and I can, I can, take you through this technique real quick for everyone who wants to start to practice because they really want to tap more into what they're feeling with permission. It's important to have congruency uh, between what you tell yourself to your breath and your body language. So Matt, when, you're, when someone's scared, how do they normally sit? Well, they're going to be slumped down and kind of shy, you know, um, yeah, and probably and like arms crossed. Yep, defensive. Yeah, mm -hmm. yep. maybe even have their knees up. Yep, all be like curled up in a ball, right? And when someone it doesn't feel safe, how do they breathe? Probably a little bit quicker than normal. A little shallow breathing. Yep, shallow, or they don't breathe at all. Yep, they freeze, right? And so. The, the, the three steps are to match what you tell yourself, I am safe, I am safe to feel, I am safe to be in my body, I am safe to experience this, right? Saying that and then breathing, diaphragm, belly breathing, deep breath, so creating a match with the breath to the, the mantra that you just said to yourself. And then sitting, feet planted, grounded on the floor, so you feel the ground beneath you. Palms up on your lap, open. And noticing if your body wants to fidget, that's, that's, a, that's a protector, that's a disconnect. So really calming and uh, sitting calm with your hands on your lap. Palms up, breathing, repeating, I'm safe, closing the eyes and sensing whatever sensation or emotion is there. So that's the first step. If someone's like, well, I do want to feel more and I want to accept what it is that's coming up for me with love, compassion, and curiosity, how do I get there? These three steps. Repeat that, take breaths, and sit open and grounded. What? Well, that's the, all of this is really incredible advice and a very sound technique because I just did another podcast with Kim Fisk and she wrote a book called The Monster Under the Bed, Uncovering the Lies That Drive Us. And when we were in that discussion, we were just talking about how the internal dialogue, it might it might um, judge people, but it's probably judging ourselves even worse. Most people have such an awful internal critic. And when you go out in the world and you talk to people or you're doing coaching as you do and I do, and you learn more about people or even talk to your friends, you know, a lot of my friends won't be really open with their emotions or experiences, especially if they have trauma. And so 
a lot of people will relive that trauma or that heartache and then they'll they'll say to themselves oh i shouldn't be feeling this way you've, you've kind of addressed this so i'm trying to give like an analogy and another perspective mm -hmm. for for clarity so sometimes it might be the internal critic saying oh you're a loser you know or oh you know you shouldn't feel sad anymore or or or, or you're, you're a vi victim and yeah we're, we have this wild internal dialogue so this is a very simple and practical process for coming back to centering ourselves but also understanding the quote-unquote shadow work in a very grounded way because I've heard many people write about it and talk about it where I feel like it, they don't have a full complete understanding of it and I don't know mm -hmm. if I have a full and complete understanding mm -hmm. of it however that one didn't match up with how I viewed it and it feels like what you're sharing now is the way that I'm viewing it currently it's not like oh I, I'm not supposed to feel this way I'm never supposed to have bad feelings you know like i remember once working with someone she's like you know i i've really taught myself for the last couple of months to only do what i what's an f yes like a hell yeah and i was like well i understand the theory behind that but no pro athlete could ever be, become a pro athlete with that idea because some of the stuff we experience in life isn't so great right and if we're going to push everything that isn't perfect away and not have a good process to go through we're going to be missing a lot of life and if you're doing that outside you're probably doing that inside with the parts of you that aren't perfect you know the parts of like matt that i'm like you should be this and this and this but i mess up so then inside my mind i beat myself up because i'm not perfect because mm -hmm. i had this past trauma because i'm not living up to this ideal of myself that i hold and so what you're sharing i think is very profound so i wanted to kind of give it back to you and and talk a little bit about what I just shared, but how would you recommend the same techniques for the individual who has that trauma or the, and the individual that kind of has just such a, an, a mean internal critic, whether you're, they're judging or they're not accepting the sales or they're not feeling just using that same technique and kind of drawing it to those two comparisons. Yeah. So <clears throat> the inner critic, uh, it's interesting because I, I teach people how to get related to all parts of themselves intimately related and uh, so picture that you you're having dinner and your guests are your inner critic which we're all familiar with it's the part of you that's shitting you all the time or telling you you can't uh, your your ego which is the part of you that wants to distract you from the internal and look externally to feel better whether it's numbing out and distracting or it's judging others to feel better or it's being right to feel better your inner child, which is all your emotions. And by the way, you said something before, I want to touch on this, the like where we make ourselves wrong for a certain emotion, like I shouldn't be feeling this. If you were around a child, whether it's your own or your babysitting one for a whole day, and that child didn't laugh or cry, would you be concerned? <laughs> well, I've only got a two, three month old, but I, she does that pretty often. <laughs> yeah, if she went a whole day without that, would you be concerned? Yeah. That th there must be something wrong. She didn't laugh or cry. She showed no emotion. <laughs> Yet we grow up and that's what we do to ourselves. We make some emotions right and some quote unquote wrong. So anyway, back to our dinner party guests here. Um, so we have the, the ego, the inner child, the inner critic, uh, the shadow, which is the parts that we're ashamed of and we want to hide. Um, and then the heart. And ideally you want your heart at the head of the table. But all parts of you are parts of you and they're not going away. Your inner critic is not going away and it's never gonna sound like your heart. It's just doing its part. And it's, so it's not about eliminating the ego or the inner critic it's about recognizing that that's who's speaking right now and understanding and sometimes there's gifts in all of them so sometimes the inner critic is saying to you oh, man you're you know you shouldn't be eating that ice cream what the fuck are you doing eating that ice cream right and it's actually like oh right i did make a commitment to get in shape so thanks for pointing that out and sometimes the inner critic is not our friend it's the one that's making us feel incapable and small and not smart enough and all that and all of these were affected by whatever you witnessed from mom and dad in the first seven years of your life so a lot of times if this is how mom spoke about herself to herself or at you to you then you're going to see a lot that you treat yourself the way mom treated you 
or you treat yourself the way mom treated herself. Mom represents an extension of self. You were born, mom held you, mom's energy is all you recognized. It felt familiar to you. Mom's energy felt familiar to you. And so suddenly in that moment, it was, oh, this is the energy I just spent nine months in. I am mom, mom is me. And so you, mom role models the self for you. This is stuff that I delve into. This isn't necessarily something that someone's going to be able to uncover and see all for themselves, especially since your ego, your identity is going to protect you from seeing. So back to the dinner table real quick. When you don't allow yourself to feel emotions, when that inner child is not being tended to, your identity, your ego is going to come in to protect you. It's the ultimate protector. It doesn't want to experience these things. It doesn't want the child to experience these things. So it's going to come in, step in, and show up with being right, judging someone else to feel better, or distracting themselves to feel better. And so when that comes up, that's an indication. When, you, when you're acting from ego, and that's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like one of those. It's an indication that there's, a, there's some emotion that's not being felt. And so you need to go and pick up your, your child. You need to pick yourself up. You need to sit, create that safety. Picture yourself as, as that innocent little boy or girl that just learned what they learned the way from mom and dad and didn't know any better. Pick that child up, hold that child, and love, understand, and accept whatever they're feeling. So back to what you're saying about the inner critic. When the inner critic comes up, um, uh, it, it is most likely a, lear a very much a learned behavior of how mom talked to you. Or to, or or what she modeled for you, and uh, there's just to bring a lot of compassion and love in that moment, a lot of compassion and love that we are we are doing that to ourselves, and how much and 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 what is the child feeling? So the inner critic is going to beat up the child. The ego is going to want to protect the child, but either one of them could help the child. The only part that can help the child is you is you coming from love, coming from the heart. So I always say, sit with whatever is there, whatever emotion you're feeling, whether it's in your chest, in your throat, in your gut, and just observe it with love, compassion, and curiosity. That's it. There's nothing to fix. There's actually nothing to change. There's nothing wrong. It's just energy that got stuck from most likely a very long time ago. And it may not even be yours. A lot of times people realize, oh, I do treat myself the way mom treated me. I learned to talk to myself the way mom talked to me. So whose energy is it? Oh, it's not mine, it's mom's. So what is yours? What do you want? So sometimes that's all that's needed to create that, off, that opening. Hmm. The dinner table analogy is such an awesome one. I really like it. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, I did a Buddhism podcast, shoot a blanket on his name as a couple, couple back, but it was really great. And, and in Buddhism, a lot of the, the idea is to observe the emotions, mm -hmm. observe the thoughts, and it's similar to what you're doing. But I, I really like, and I think is important to accept all parts of yourself. You know, and I think yeah. that there's a lot of, a lot of stuff out there. That's like, we're trying to take the stuff we don't like, and we're shoving it into a corner and we never look at it again. And also society in general, if you look at it, it seems as though it is becoming colder. It's becoming more disconnected. We're becoming more robotic. And yesterday I did a podcast with the Zuni elder Clifford Mahuti, and that's what he was sharing. He was saying, you know, if you look in the world and how people are, it's, we're, we're almost taught now to be so much 
less empathetic. We're not talking to our neighbors. We're not caring. We're losing our heart. We're, we're going from scarecrow to tin man. And yeah. these, these ideas, especially for a man growing up, you're not supposed to feel fear. You're not supposed to be afraid. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to share your feelings. You're not supposed to talk about emotions. And this isn't healthy behavior because emotions are what come along with being a human. They just have them. Yeah. We're just not taught how to understand them in a way that is productive. And when you're talking about the parental thing, it's so fascinating because in working with people, whether it's athletes that are really successful, which I have, and entrepreneurs, which have been really successful with uh, people who are just everyday people, no matter what their age, a lot of that stuff does come from that early childhood. And in brain development, they say the critical factor isn't formed until six or eight. And that's basically your ability to separate what's happening with like how you feel about the world. So everything goes in and it gets stored and it stays there and it'll shape the rest of your life. So my question is, Let's say, okay, like how would someone go through that process of like, all right, well, I probably have some childhood trauma and some things I don't enjoy and I don't want to treat myself like my dad or mom treated me and I don't want that anymore. Is it just the process of observing that and and accepting all parts of you and then deciding what you want or, or how does one person move into that space of like, this is how I want to treat myself now. And I really love the Buddha quote where that says, no one in the universe as much as you deserves your love and compassion. And it's so easy and nice to say, and how can we embody that on a daily basis? And one thing that I've been doing lately that's helped that because I feel like this is something that I always strive to improve on is I'll just make sure that each day I do something that I'm proud of and I will focus on that. And I'm like, you know, I focus on that thing. Whereas before a lot of the time I'd work really hard and just be like, Oh, I didn't get enough done. I'd be focusing on all the other things I'm trying to get done rather than the one or two things that I say, you know what? I'm, I'm proud of what I've done today. I can be proud of myself. And it builds that uh, momentum moving forward. Yeah. Um, very good. So a couple things, gratitude practice, focusing, which is similar to what you're saying right now. Uh, uh, you, you, you focus on something you're proud of, which means you're, you're grateful for it. So that's really what it's doing. It's putting you in a state of gratitude as opposed to a state of lack of what you didn't do. Um, I have a, a great gratitude practice that I coined popcorn gratitude. So, you know, when you make popcorn at home, uh, first, you know, it's, it just warms up. You don't hear anything. And then like a little bit of pop, pop pop and then it's pop 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 right so imagine closing your eyes and just allowing some something that you're grateful for to come to your mind and it could be anything and everything from thank you it's a sunny day to the great dinner that you had last night to amazing partner great clients right so it's it, it has no no limitation to it and so at first it comes in very slowly and then there's just so many things that pop up whether it's someone that led you, like my best friend that led me to living here in San Diego seven years ago. Oh, so grateful for that. Thank you. If that didn't happen, where would my life be, right? So it could just be anything from this moment, what you're present to, to your whole life. Thank, thank you for being born, right? So as things pop up in your mind, repeating out loud, saying out loud to yourself, thank you. And something else pops in, thank you. And every time something pops in, you say thank you you'll get high. It's a powerful vibration. So for those of you that are looking for, well, what practices can I just do at home? I don't know if I want to jump into a retreat with you or not. <laughs> that if you practice that every day, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shift you. Um, the, the other practice is, yes, learning to tend to that inner child. I was, uh, I was, I was called a an inner child whisperer by one of my clients. I'm like, oh, I like that. But learning to tend to that child. Mom and dad parented you a specific way. Now it's time to reparent. And so, yeah, if you just practice accepting whatever emotions are there. And when you really give an emotion permission to be expressed or felt, 90 seconds. It's a, it, it moves through. If you're crying for more than 90 seconds, when you're like, oh, I feel like I, I'm sad and I want to cry, and it's more, most likely, it's because you're fueling it. You're adding story to it. You're pitting. You're, you're in a pity party 
as opposed to just feeling what's there without adding more fuel to the fire, <laughs> meaning making it true. It just is. Just feel what's there. Let go of the story and the meaning. Anger. Now, anger is one that a lot of people, if they harbor it, they'll, they'll harbor it. I feel it. Yes, I'm angry. But then they'll go into the ego. So this is where, again, if the child doesn't feel the anger, the ego is going to come in and project it somewhere else. Yeah, he's an asshole. So I had a client this week at my retreat who was very, um, had a dad that was verbally and physically abusive to him. You know, I would like smack him across the head and say, shut up, shut up, keep quiet, go sit in the corner. So you could imagine how angry and hurt he was. So at first, if you don't allow yourself to feel that anger, he went to, you know, you're the worst dad ever. I hate you. I wish you weren't alive. I'm never going to be like you. Again, projecting all that on him because he's hurt. And I said, okay, feel the pain. Feel the anger. Feel wherever it is. Feel it. Fully feel it. You're safe to fully feel it. Now, how does it want to be expressed? And how does anger usually want to be expressed? Most likely either yelling, punching something, right? Um, kicking. So we bring out this big punching bag for him if that's what he wanted. But he just wanted to, to, to yell, scream it out. Now, if you are going to do that, for those of you listening that have been harboring anger, don't yell from your throat. Yell from your root. This is a deep root. Imagine having to pull something out of your garden. That's a deep, deep root. You'd have to use every bit of your energy, right? Your whole body. So stand up, soften your knees so you're really solid, right? Like as if you were going to pick something up that's heavy, pull something out that's heavy. And then pull it from your root. Feel the energy all the way from your root up and out. So that's where you yell from. And I'm telling you, within 90 seconds, you're good. And then most likely, they'll access what's below that. A lot of times below anger is just that heartache, that heartbreak, especially when it's something related to dad. Dad represents the first love in your life. First time dad held you, this was unfamiliar energy. This wasn't mom's energy that you just spent nine months in. This was love. The first experience of feeling of love is, that's new, that feels different, is dad. So everyone has dad on a pedestal, whether he was a good man and deserved it or not. So either your heart was filled or there was heartbreak there. So a lot of times when people deal with um, the area of father for them, it's heartbreaking, heart opening. And under that anger is a lot of sadness, is that heartbreak. So then you feel the sadness. So my client moved from that when he finally yelled and felt all of it to I actually want to know my dad I want to know what his childhood was like like what are the questions that you would want to ask him if you had a chance to ask five-year-old dad what was his childhood like because most likely this is inherited stuff generations of the same thing over and over and over again who's going to break it so I had him do something I call a play date. Have a play date. Are you open to having a play date? At first he said no before he released the anger because when a child is angry, does a child want to play? No. As soon as he released the anger, are you open to having a play date? Yes, I'm open to having a play date. All right, so picture yourself at five years old. Picture dad at five years old. At one point, your parents were five innocent, happy little kids running around, being imprinted by mom and dad in the world. I said, ask him, where did you learn to love? Have your little boy, five-year-old you, ask five-year-old him, where did you learn how to love? And that's when he started to realize and see, wow, I have no idea what my dad's childhood was like. I have no idea what he went through. I have a lot of questions for him. I want to know a lot. 
And by the end of it, he was like, I forgive my father. And I want to know the world. Father represents the world. I want to know his world. I want to know the world. I want to know. And his inspired action that he's going to take is to call his dad. By the way, no, no accidents. Totally divine. That morning before that session, his dad called him. He had a missed call from his dad, who he hasn't, you know, he doesn't speak to in years. His dad called him two weeks ago, but it's always like he just brushes it off. He just was filled with hate, anger. So what's possible when you allow yourself to feel what's there is that you access the heart again. And his heart really does want to know his father and want to come back to love. So I got off on a big tangent there, but here we are. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's a really beautiful story. And I'm glad you shared it. I feel like many people are going to be able to relate to that, whether it's their father or someone in their life or anyone. And the fascinating thing that I've learned about trauma or emotional trauma or the mind or whatever you want to section it as, even if it happened when you're five or eight or 12, or maybe it was 20, who knows? And no matter how much time happens, the amount of emotional energy remains the same. And if we don't process it in some sort of healthy manner, that's where you project the anger, right? That's when you kick the dog. That person's so angry at his father, so he boots the dog or he drinks and smacks somebody in public or all of those different things. And if you look at the jails and all the people, if you asked each one of them their story, they were probably abused. They probably had traumas that happened because the old expression, hurt people, hurt people. So if yeah. someone's abusing you in your life, you could be very confident that something has happened to them, that they're getting it out in the only way they know how because it's eating them up and they don't know how to process it in yeah. a healthy manner. And, and it's so, the only way they learned. Yeah. A lot yeah, of that's times important. abused children, um, they also subconsciously want to understand the abuser so they do the same to to understand how could that how could he or she have done that to me they want to understand it they become it and it's unconscious they're not aware of it or it's yeah it's the only way they learned or you saw mom hitting dad uh, or I'm sorry more commonly dad hitting mom and then you wonder why that woman always attracts men that are abusive because she learned this is what love looks like yeah. That's what you witness. This is the relationship. And, you know, that woman breaks up with that guy, but attracts the same thing over and over again, because it's, that's what's scripted in. This is what love looks like. Your script is created by the time you're seven years old. You learn to play certain roles. Some of those roles, it was, you copied. It was exactly how mom and dad were. And some of them was because you rebelled or you survived. Here's how I'm going to survive this. Oh, mom's not paying attention to me. She's not listening to me. She's telling me to shut up. Well, then I'm, I'm going to do what she says and shut up. Or I'm going to act out and that person becomes a bully. And that's how they survived not getting the love from mom and dad. So you end up playing certain roles in the movie of your life with the script that was written by age seven and then casting people to play roles in your movie. Why, am, why do I keep being attracted to that emotionally unavailable man? Why do I keep being attracted to emotionally unavailable man? <laughs> because what you learned is men are emotionally unavailable. That's how your father was. So this is what love looks like. And you're attracted to that. That's what you cast. Sometimes you, know, you, you get out of a relationship and, and you, you find out that your ex is with someone else, but they're completely different with that person. How is he like that? With her, why wasn't he like that with me? Oh, because she casted him to play out a different role in her movie. And to start to take responsibility, people, for who you're being and that everyone is just playing out in your movie. And that's, a, that's an empowering place to stand. It may create a breakdown for people because, okay, now what? But let's retire the victim because that's a dead end. And really own that everything that's occurring is occurring inside of your movie. So what, what have you been scripting? And what do you want to script? What do you want to create? 
and the process to go from survival of playing that same role over and over and over again to creation of who you actually want to be and what you want to create in the world is going to come from feeling those feelings, clearing out those weeds. You want a beautiful garden and it's full of weeds? There's no room for those new seeds, all those great seeds that you bought at the store. You have to clear it out first and you have to get all the way to the root. So everything that you haven't wanted to feel or admit or accept, as soon as you do, it's gone. And then there's room and you'll feel that there's room for something new. Well, I love, I love the, well, I love all those analogies and I had something in the back of my mind, but now I lost it. So I'll I'll rephrase what I was thinking. You know, I think it's so common that people are playing the victim role and we're not aware of it. We're not playing the victim role and being like, oh, I'm choosing to play the victim role, but it also is very close to the survival role. And what you're talking about that, that child, like our mind is mostly formed by seven. And all of those imprints are how we navigate life because we came into this world and we're like, holy crap, what's going on? And we have no idea. And so it imprints and so much of what we do is survival and what we're witnessing. And the thing is, we play that whole way unless we, we analyze it, unless we decide, hey, you know what? This is how I'm acting and I need to change this. And it's so interesting because it's basically like you have an ad- adults, but they're going around as children and i have seen this with very successful people and i'm like you are a man child like you are a child Mm -hmm. and most people are like that but it's just because the program that got imprinted right away and they were never taught how to rewrite that program and we can rewrite the program and we can modify it but it takes some awareness it takes some understanding and it takes some tools that actually work and there's a lot of tools out there that are not as useful or as effective as others you know and I, I i try all the different tools and some of them have more of a hype story around them than a practical understanding and i think that what you're sharing now is very very practical and so i love the idea of like going into that memory and screaming out like the anger or whatever and like really feeling that emotion and understanding like what role we're playing once that happens, do you think that that's enough for them to shift? Or do you have a process then to say, you know, this is now what I want? You know, if I've been playing the victim role and I've been doing this my whole life, do you, do you show them how to like imprint another format or where do they go from there once they've kind of identified, you know, felt it, screamed it out? Mine was yeah. punching and we actually had a punching bag in our mm-hmm. basement. So when my sister would get really mad at me, my mom would make her go down there and, and punch the bag. And, you know, I think being a martial artist and dealing with what I had to deal with, I just punched stuff and it helped. Uh, yeah. it's, it still helped. Yeah, so, primal. Yeah. So I want to say a few things, by the way, if you ever forget something, Instead of saying, I forgot, say, I choose to remember. Mm. It will come back to you. Because again, we're so used to being like, oh, I forgot. Damn it, I forgot. Damn it, I forgot. So guess what? (laughs) It's not going to come back. But 99% of the time when I say I choose to remember, it comes back. So now to answer um, your your question, there's uh, five stages of transformation or uh, of healing to go through. Right. First, it's becoming aware. Of, of what it is, right? Stage one is awareness, which <clears throat> a lot of people are at with certain things. And then, and then there, there's things that they're not aware of that they would become aware of if they wanted to delve deeper and work with me. Stage two is acceptance and commitment. Now, some areas, it could be real easy to accept. Oh, shit, I'm like this. I don't want to behave this way. I'm committed to changing it. And in other areas, it's a real threat to your identity because if you've built this whole identity around my father's a jerk right he's an asshole i'm not talking about mine here but right like the client that i had that was like worst father ever i hate him i wish he died and you've been living that way for 30 something years there's a lot of resistance to admitting wow i need to actually look at this where how I feel about my father may shift. And so this is where a lot of times people need their hand held or supported, um, or they just need to give themselves permission to f- 
fully feel it. So something else I want to say about, about anger, or if you want to complete something that didn't feel complete from your childhood, you want to ask yourself two questions. What did I need from mom or from dad that I didn't get that if I got now, what did I need from them? So you start to see what you actually needed, who you needed mom to be. And that's who you want to start being for yourself, right? Or dad. And the other question is, well, if dad was smacking you across the head or telling you, shut up, kid, go sit in the corner, uh, you were afraid to speak back because dad was a giant and he was this little person. And so you want to imagine that you're not that little person anymore. You're safe. You're just as big. What did you want to say to mom and dad that you didn't feel safe to say because you felt they were so much bigger than you? And a lot of times that's what gives people permission to punch the bag or to scream it all out. And so to answer your question of once they say all that or once you punch the bag, how did you feel afterwards? What did you feel next? So the next thing is always checking in. Well, what do I feel now? Well, now I feel all the sadness. Okay, so now I got to feel all that. <laughs> okay, now what do you feel? peaceful, calm, happy. Okay. So that's good. It's nothing we need to do there. Well, think about a child. When the child is done crying or having that tantrum, you normally ask them and, and they're fine. You say, well, sweetheart, what do you want to do now? And 99% of the time they'll say, I want to play. They'll be ready to play, ready to create something new. So when you come to that space where those emotions that haven't been felt still need to be felt and they are, and it's cleared, what's possible now? What's available now that wasn't available before? And you check in and you listen because you gave it to yourself. You could say, it may be self-love to love myself or to, for, for my client, that I was sharing about, to forgive my father, to get to know my father. And so you pulled out the old weed and you just planted a seed. And that seed is to forgive my father, to get to know my father. Seed planted. Now what happens when you plant a seed? If you don't water it, it doesn't grow assuming there's no rain, right? <laughs> like in San Diego. <laughs> if you plant a seed in San Diego, it's not raining here much. So the key part is to water that seed. So you can declare something new, but if you don't act now, it's not, it's not gonna stick. So if you declare, I forgive my father, there better be an action of calling your father and letting him know that you forgive him. And so this is what I mean by taking people into inspired action. And that's the guarantee. Like people leave training camp for the soul taking a lot of inspired action. And I say inspired because people are acting in the world, but most of them are acting out of survival. They're acting out of fear. They're not acting out of inspiration. So does that answer your question as to like what's next? Taking action. Plant the new seed, replace it, right? Going back to the stages of development, stage three is getting to the root, feeling the emotion. Stage four is releasing and replacing. Oh, this is something I haven't shared yet. Releasing. So here are all the ways that so far that I've witnessed people release. So yes, we've talked about anger, catharsis. We've talked about crying. Those are common ones. Laughing is a form of release. I've had clients have laughing attacks. Yawning is a form of release. I've had clients that, hold so, that held so much tension. She was always so tense that when I worked with her, it was just a constant yawning. I'm talking about 10 minutes of yawn, 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 yawn. Burping is a form of release. I had a client that stuffed that anger down so much that it became like an air bubble that when she finally let it out and punched the bag, when she was done punching, she burped nonstop for 30 minutes. Shaking is a form of release. So if your body starts 
tremoring and shaking, whether it's your hand or it's your whole body, that's a form of release. And uh, yeah, I think those are the ones, that's it. Maybe forgetting one, but. So just to give people an idea of like, well, how do I know that I released it? And those are, I'd say the most common ones. Um, so stage four, releasing and then replacing, right? So there's stage 4.1 and 4.2. So you release and then you have to replace. If you don't replace, then you're still gonna default. If you edit a script, but you're only editing a part of a scene, what's gonna happen? <laughs> the, the, the scene must go on, so they're just gonna default to, well, you didn't, you didn't let me know what we're replacing this with, so I had to go on stage and just act out the old. The importance of replacing and then taking action quickly. Stage five, education and integration. So education. A lot of people become aware of something that they're not happy with, um, that they want to change, right? Stage one. Stage two, they're, they understand it. They're committed to it. Then they think they could just hop to reading a book or going to a seminar about whatever it is. Like, my boyfriend told me I'm not vulnerable. Oh, wow, maybe I am not vulnerable. I wanna be vulnerable. Okay, I'm gonna go read a book on vulnerability. What, what, what's missing is that they skip the stage of clearing out. So for those of you that feel like you know a lot, you've learned a lot, you have so much information, but it's not sticking or you still don't have the results is because you skipped stage three and four. It's like buying all the seeds, but you haven't cleared out the weeds. You have to, you can't skip those steps. Once you have done those steps, now it's okay. So the declaration is I am vulnerable. I am open. It is safe to be vulnerable. Well, now the, the breakdown is what the fuck does that look like? I have no framework for it. No one ever modeled that to me. This is where you can read a book, go do an intimacy retreat, talk to people that access vulnerability easily, listen to a podcast on vulnerability, and there's room for it to stick. There's room to integrate it in. So that's stage five, education, and then integration. And integration is, is the practice, is constant practice. If I give you a new script right now, you're not ready to perform it that night. But the more you practice it, the more you're ready for that opening night. And that's the process to, to transformation. And that's what I take people through. That's amazing. Well, that's incredibly well-rounded and kind of puts it all in a really important nutshell. And I think that you don't leave any stone unturned because the seeds example, watering the seed is so important because just what I'm aware of in neurology, it's like, and you know this from neuro-linguistic programming, we have these mental maps and these programs and how we see and view the world. And that might be how we interact with it, how we keep ourselves safe and all this kind of thing. And so if we're going about each and every day with the same program, we're going to get the same results. But once we start to switch it, it's going to take some time. We're going to need mm -hmm. to go to that new decision. We're going to have to plant, we're going to have to keep watering the seed of what we prefer. And it might be a little bit challenging at first because you're so yeah. used to the old pattern. But as long as you're aware of that and you keep putting energy and direction and focus in this new place, what's going to happen is called neuro pruning. And so that old map, that old model will begin to break away. It'll fall down and you'll be living, experiencing this new model with new options, with new feelings, with new emotions, um, and a, in a different way of being. And it's so important. And I think that a lot of people like give up on that. They, uh, they're going to miss one of those steps that you shared. And I feel like that's such a really great, um, model for understanding emotions and how we, understand our beliefs and navigate in the world. It's very awesome information. Um, I, this has been amazing. I think that what you shared is going to help a lot of people because it's such an important topic. And I feel like it's something that's not commonly taught or understood, uh, male, female, and, and 
this world, let's face it, is not easy. It's not really a safe place a lot of the time. A lot of us have trauma and some of them are more intense than others. And we need to have this kind of emotional IQ, this emotional education to understand ourselves. Because if we go about the one trauma or having a crappy childhood or anything that happens in our external world that shapes us in a way where we feel disempowered and we live the rest of our lives in a disempowered state. It's very yeah. sad, and it seems to be that's what the common thing is happening. Most people feel disempowered, but if you look at any great teacher, you know, Jesus, Buddha, all the great masters, they say, you know, go within, and if you can connect with yourself and the spirit, which we all have, however you view that, you can begin to shape your reality, but it's going to happen over time, and you need these understandings. So um, yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, it's not only, you know, healing past traumas that we need to give ourselves permission to feel. Developing emotional resiliency, the ability to be with whatever emotion arises. Look, life's going to keep handing you shit, right? There's, there's things that we're going to have to deal with at different ages that maybe, you know, you, you talk to a 22-year-old millennial uh, well, they're not millennials anymore, whatever generation they are. You talk to a 22-year-old, I'm getting old. You talk to a 22-year-old, there's not much that they're worried about yet in life. You talk to someone who's 50, they're dealing maybe with, you know, their parents uh, needing support, needing to, to be taken care of. They're dealing with, with disease, with illness, with maybe kids who are having trouble, marriage issues, all this stuff. So life's going to keep handing you things. Just like the weather isn't always sunshine and rainbows. I know I live in San Diego, but really it's still not always that. Sometimes there's a storm and what is that going to do to your garden, right? It's going to make a mess. And having the tools to know that no matter what life hands you at whatever age, that you have the tools to tend to that and to come back to life. And so that's, that's the, the long term, right? Because some of you listening may be like, well, my childhood was great. I don't have any big quote unquote traumas. By the way, it's not always obvious traumas. It's not always dad hit me, mom yelled at me. Sometimes it could be Mom forgot to pick me up at practice, and I didn't have a cell phone back then. And I sat there thinking she forgot about me. And that moment right there created a quote-unquote trauma for you. So it's not always the obvious ones, but regardless, even if you have uh, dealt with that stuff or you don't feel that your childhood needs it, do you have the ability to be and accept all emotions to express all emotions because if you don't you may come across something that life hands you and uh get stuck very well said and i agree with that um it's everybody's life experience is very different so one trauma to one person or challenging experience and uh, it's going to be different for another person and then also how does how do we relate to that and it keeps happening you know whether it's happening as a kid or as an adult, we'll add a story, right? Our mother didn't pick us up, so it means this, and then maybe we're not safe and we're not loved, and then all of a sudden it goes haywire. And it could be something subtle, but to us at the time, it's it's very big and it's very meaningful. But if you look at it as an adult, you might say, oh, that's nothing, but it might be carrying more weight than you understand. So I think that's a very fantastic point. I appreciate everything that you've shared, and I think it's it's such okay. important information. Is there anything that you wish that I'd asked or that you want to talk about before we close it up? Um, nothing that I wish that you asked. I really loved how this conversation flowed and unfolded. You know, the more podcast interviews I do, the more I'm just like, well, I don't want to say the same thing in the same way. And I know it's been a great interview when it feels like a new conversation to me as well. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah, my pleasure. It was awesome for me too over here. I, and I learned a lot. I think, again, like I've had a lot of podcasts, but the way that you have that model of understanding, it's almost like, uh, what is it, like the death process, like all those stages. You have all the stages. So if you're missing one, you can kind of go back and you have enough tools and enough information mm -hmm. to understand and make a change, even if you've just listened to this. So I think it's really important. Where can people find more about your work if they want to dive deep and get the full experience <laughs> or they want to learn more? Where do they go? 
Sure. So I have a website, although it is going to be getting a full upgrade uh, over the holidays, but um, you can go to trainingcampforthesoul.com. There's a free guided meditation on there. It's very unique meditation. So check that out. If you want to have a conversation with uh, myself or my team, um, you can apply and we can see what to fit. We do in-person live small group retreats, but I also have the same as a 10-week virtual program. So there, you know, something for, for everyone, whether you're across the world in Australia to right here in San Diego. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for the work you're doing. It's, it's really amazing and I uh, look forward to staying connected. Yeah. Oh, and if people want to follow me, they can follow me on, on Instagram or Facebook, Anat Perry, and uh, put out some content on there. So looking forward to it. Thank awesome. you. Well, I'll make sure all the, yeah, I'll make sure all the, uh, the links and everything uh, is there for people to find you. And yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks. Okay. See you guys. Peace. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Anat Perry. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I really did. It was filled with just practical insights, tools, and information that I really learned a lot, so I hope that you did too. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a screenshot, share on Instagram, tag me at Matt Belair, tag Anat, let us know what you thought, if you have any questions. Also want to hear any and all of your feedback, so hit me up, Facebook, Instagram, Matt at zenathlete.com. Just give me your feedback on the podcast, any kind of guests that you want on the show, any kind of insights, any questions that you have, let me know. Love hearing from you. Um, but please support the show by sharing, leaving a review on iTunes, supporting on Patreon, just tossing in a buck in the bucket if you can do that. It is all immensely appreciated, but the best thing that you can do is one kind act today. Also, remember that in 2020, there is going to be a 21-day challenge. And go to mattbelair.com, sign up for the email list. I will be putting all the information through email and Instagram and everywhere you can find me so you can sign up. It is going to be awesome. It's going to be a 21-day challenge. I'm not going to reveal what the challenge is, but each and every day, there's going to be a new lesson. There's going to be Q&A. There's going to be a ton of coaching. I'm going to walk you through what I do to start my year, what I do with a lot of my coaching clients. So would love, love to have you on board and participate in that there's going to be some great community so that wraps this up um let's just come to a state of peace and coherence before we close it up wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly filling every cell muscle fiber of your being with peace contentment joy kindness inspiration enthusiasm and excitement to take on the rest of the day So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.